This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, today we are going to go over the Luke passage. It's one of those things where every Christmas time we have to talk about Mary because she just does happen to be an important part of the picture there, right? It's interesting that an angel was sent to Mary, and Mary, yes, is an important part in this story, but she lives in this backwater place called Nazareth. And what happens there is Mary is kind of confused by the message. But what we have to remember is that this story is not really that elaborate. It's fairly simple and straightforward. Now, I remember having a Bible study with a guy and another couple of fellows one time, and he said, in the study, we're going to get deep into the Word. And I thought, okay, you know, that's fine. But in this story, the glory of this story is its simplicity. You see, sometimes the Bible is just straightforward. This is the way it is. This is what happened. This is what you can believe from it. And so what we have here is Mary, who is an ordinary girl. Ordinary. You know, nothing particularly you know, spectacular about this gal. She was betrothed to J Joseph, it says in the passage. And one of the more interesting details here is that the betrothal was a contract. It was a legal document. When you were betrothed to somebody, a sum of money was paid from the groom's family to the bride's family, and then an actual contract was signed. And girls could be betrothed when they were 12 years old. 12 to 14 years old is when this happened most of the time. And so Mary was likely on the young side of things by our standards today. And so we find out this gal is going to be betrothed and she's going to have the Son of God. Now that's pretty significant. And if you think about this, Mary is also an, ex an important part of the story. But strangely enough, being as important to the whole narrative as she is, she doesn't appear in Scripture very, ma very many times. You see, we have Luke 1 and 2, Matthew 1 and 2, Mark chapter 3, when Mary and Jesus' half-brothers are coming to try to take him home because they think he's lost his mind. John chapter 2, where... Jesus turns the water into wine, but Mary says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And then there's John chapter 19, where she's standing at the foot of the cross, and John says, behold your mother and behold your son. And then in Acts chapter 1, and after Acts chapter 1, she drops out of the scene and is not mentioned in Scripture after that. Now, <clears throat> she's found favor with God. And so we find out in the text that this is in the sixth month 
of Elizabeth's pregnancy. She's carrying John the Baptist. God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin named Mary who is engaged to Joseph. His greeting surprises and troubles her. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The angel allays Mary's fears by telling her that God is giving her special grace. She will conceive and bear a son, which she shall call him Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. Gabriel explains that the child will be called the Son of the Most High and rule forever as the Davidic king, as our Old Testament reading t tells us today. Of course, then Mary says, how is this possible? And then Gabriel explains the glory of how this is going to happen. The child's conception will be a miracle of God, the Holy Spirit. He who guarded and guided the Israelites in pillars of cloud and fire in the wilderness and whose glory cloud overshadowed the tabernacle will overshadow her. And by his power, her child will be the Holy Son of God. God is intervening in human history directly. He is involved. He is making himself known and he is having his part in what's going to happen in all of human history. And he wants to bring forth the promised everlasting king of his kingdom. Now, Mary's freaked out by this, of course. And what we need to know here is that, again, Mary is an ordinary kid. She's 12 to 14 years old. But what we can take away from this and what we need to get from this is because the angel Gabriel told Mary that she's found favor with God. Now that word means charis, which is blessed or graced, which means she's receiving great grace. And what this tells us is that since she's an ordinary girl and receiving God's great grace, that means all of those of us who, whether we think so or not, who are maybe ordinary people, are also equally as able to receive God's grace and God's blessing. And that means we can expect to know that God will be looking after us and taking care of us. Now, Mary being an ordinary girl, there's some dispute about that because our Roman Catholic brethren believe that Mary was not ordinary. They even have some doctrines that say that Mary was also divinely conceived so that she had no sin. We still don't know very much about Mary except that she was in Nazareth and that she was going to have Jesus. And she's, again, unremarkable. Now, she gets the specific assignment in verses 29 through 33. <clears throat> and she asks that question. And, you know, there's no harm in asking that because <clears throat> she has good reason to ask that because she hasn't been involved with any man. And so she wonders, well, how is this possible? And then, of course, Gabriel explains that it's going to be a miracle. In this Matthew's account of this, it says that Joseph was going to try to put her aside and divorce her quietly so she wouldn't be embarrassed. 
And so Mary, think about this, has to go to Joseph and explain, I'm pregnant. And he's going to go, say what? And she says, well, I had a visitation. And Joseph would probably have said, yeah, I'll bet you had a visitation. It turns out the angel tells Joseph, hey, this is cool. This is a God thing. So go ahead and don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now, so she gets the details of how all this is going to happen. And we have a footnote in the Life Application Bible about these two verses, or the last two verses, 30, well, 34 and 35. The birth of Jesus to a virgin is a miracle that many people find hard to believe. Have you ever ran across somebody who says, yeah, right, you know, and they don't believe that it's possible for her to be having a baby. Now, these three facts can aid our faith. Luke was a medical doctor, so he knew perfectly well how babies are made. For him to believe in a virgin birth would have been just as difficult as it is for us. Yet, Luke reports it as a fact. Think about that. This is, there's this physician who's reporting the virgin birth as if it were fact, and it was. Luke was a painstaking researcher who based his gospel on eyewitness accounts. Tradition holds that he talked with even Mary about the events recorded in his first two chapters. This is Mary's story, not a fictional invention. Now, Christians and Jews who worship God as the creator of the universe should have no doubt that God has the power to create life within the virgin's womb. And so we ask, why is the virgin birth important to the Christian faith? Jesus was born without the sin that entered the world through Adam. He was born holy, just as Adam was created sinless at the time. And however, in contrast to Adam, who disobeyed God, Jesus obeyed God perfectly and was thus able to face sin's consequences in our place and make us acceptable to God. See, Jesus had those two natures, and it's important that he be man so he could be our stand-in at the time of the crucifixion, but he also had to be God so he could be sinless and be the sinless sacrifice. And if he wasn't those two natures, he, because Jesus had two natures, all God and all man, if he wasn't that, he would not have been able to be our stand-in and to take the place, our place for the sin. Now, in our celebrity-praised culture, don't they? People in, adore the so-called important people or the beautiful people or the celebrities. People have this fixation on those folks. As a matter of fact, there's probably four or five magazines at the new supermarket checkout stand that are devoted entirely to the lives of those beautiful people and celebrities. But what God does is he seeks out and calls those with a contrite heart. 
There are some who try to emulate the immoral, wealthy lifestyles of Hollywood celebrities and the big-time athletes. But God's blessing goes with those who are pure in spirit. People may admire the ruthless and the arrogant and the famous, but God despises such attitudes and he lifts up the humble. At Christmas time, we see plenty of images of Mary on Christmas cards and in nativity scenes. For centuries, artists have attempted to capture her beauty in paintings and sculptures. But you know what? The Bible doesn't tell us a thing about what Mary looked like. The focus of Scripture is on the beauty of Mary's holiness. She was striking not because of her physical features or any adornments she may have worn, but because of the way she surrendered her life fully and completely to God. So for us, she is a model, a model of discipleship. And again, like I said at the beginning, this story is not that not necessarily that deep. We don't have to go dig deep and try to find all of the kinds of meanings from this passage. It's fairly straightforward because Mary believed God, she trusted God, and she was given the, a major assignment. And for us today, what that means is we have to trust God so He can tell us what He wants us to do. And that's simple and straightforward as it ought to be. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. Mm-hmm.